0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. Good evening, citizens. It's great to be with you guys. You guys are great stewards of God's word here. I love seeing Bibles and notes out. I preached at Kingsway this morning. That's my family. But they're not so good with notes and Bibles, which is okay. Um, Like Noah said, my name is Will Gunn. I'm an intern here at Northwest Gospel and Camus down by the Louis Block Baseball Parks, if anybody knows where that is. Uh, And I also go to Clark College. And you see, I've never been in a fight in my life. Not one time. I've never been in a fight. But I have been hit three times. I've been hit in the head three times by three different people. Um, I know it's a shocker. I usually keep to myself. I'm a pretty quiet person, and so it's really confusing to me as to why I've been hit so many times. But this one time, me and my friend Scott were in PE class, and we were playing mat ball. And for some of us in the room, we can't relate to this, but when I go to PE class, I actually do PE in PE class. I like to have fun, I like to try, I like to play. And this specific day in PE class, me and my friend Scott were running the tables with this other team in matball. It was a killing, it was a murder, any any word you could use to describe it, we were destroying the other team. And as I get into the locker room, the lockers in Washugal are kind of shaped like a box, and my locker was right here in the corner, okay? And so I go up to my locker and I'm unscrewing it, and there was this kid in the class named Josiah, um, and he, he's a big kid, okay? He'd made some bad decisions, he'd been to juvie, and I was only a freshman at the time, but as I'm taking my clothes off, Josiah starts to beat the living daylights out of me in the corner of the locker. And it was at this point that I was surrounded. There was nowhere for me to go. I had the metal lockers and the seats behind me, and Josiah was in front of me. And this evening, we're going to be looking at a psalm in which the Lord surrounds his people. If you guys would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 125. Psalm 125. This is the sixth song of ascents that would be sung by the Jewish people. The city of Jerusalem is on a hill, and as they would travel up this hill or this ascent, hence the name Song of Ascents, these are the songs that the people would sing. Would you read with me? Psalm 125, A Song of Ascents. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn away to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. And my first point for, you, for those of you taking notes is this. The Lord surrounds those who trust Him. The Lord surrounds those who trust Him. Here we see it is in the psalm that those who trust in the Lord cannot be moved. This is an affirmation from the writer to encourage us in our faith and trust in the Lord and His plan of salvation. Mount Zion that we see in this psalm, which is synonymous with the city of God, And Mount Zion is the high hill on the city in Jerusalem. The idea of Zion is symbolic of fortification, of strength, of security. It's this immovable rock. The truth of the text is blatant. The believer who trusts in the Lord is like Mount Zion, the city of God that cannot be moved but abides forever. The significance of this psalm is forever. This isn't conditional or works based, but for anyone who trusts in the Lord and his promise of salvation. The promise of salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it is the believer who trusts in the Lord that cannot be moved but abides forever. And then the text moves to this point that the Lord surrounds his people. The Lord surrounds his people. So who are his people well, the people of God are constructed, are made up of those who put their promise, put their trust in the promise of the Lord. And in this case, it's the salvation that comes through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as the mountains surround Jerusalem, it says the Lord surrounds his people. So Jerusalem, we talked about, is a city on a hill. And all around it, if we think geographically or on a map, is a mountain range. And what this mountain range does is it protects from winds and tempests that want to blow into Jerusalem, and it also provides a natural barrier against armies. This surroundings uh, around Jerusalem is assurance, it's safety for the city of Jerusalem. Again, we're seeing the eternal significance of this passage as well. How long will the Lord surround his people? Well, it says, from this time forth and forevermore. Friends, what type of good news would this be if you could lose your salvation if you had no assurance? What type of good news would it be if this salvation was works-based? 1 Peter 1, 3-6 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We can take great comfort in the truth of this psalm and the truth of God's word in First Peter, that we've been brought into something, a greater salvation, that's being kept by God's own power. It's not being kept by our power. We can have assurance in the truth of this. And I think the natural implication, as you might be wondering, well, if those who trust in the Lord are are forever, then why do some walk away? Right? We've all probably seen the deconstruction TikToks. We've heard about believers walking away from the faith, denouncing the faith, rejecting Christ. And I want want to point you to 1 John 2.19. It says this, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, so it might be complained that they are not all of us. You see, a true believer will not reject Christ. So why do some turn away? Well, the text says they were never of us. So it remains that those who abide in the Lord and trust in the Lord will never be moved Growing up, running cross country, there was this race I would run out in Tillamook, Oregon, called the Ultimac. Uh, some of you might know this race, but essentially this race would have you run through all different types of surfaces. And at the very start of the race, there was this mud pit. And so this mud pit was probably waist deep, and it was so hard to get through. It was sloshy, it was wet, My eighth grade year, I found out a great uh, way to get through this pit, and it was using the, the heads of sixth graders to pull yourself ahead. Even if that meant pushing a few under the mud, they'll be fine, they'll get back up. And then we would also have to run through river rock, through a river, and my point in saying this is this foundation that you're running on, that you're trying to go with, isn't firm. And then when you get to running on something like concrete or gravel, you have a firm, a solid, a reliable, a tangible thing to actually keep you going. So I wanna ask, where do you find your security, student? Where do you find your foundation? Where do you find your safety? We're certainly surrounded in this culture that we live in, but we're not always surrounded by God, it seems like. We live in an evil culture. We're constantly surrounded by all this evil and this rebellion to God's perfect way. Sin seems to crouch at our door in our own lives constantly. So where do you go to look for security, assurance, hope in your life? But take heart. The good news of the gospel is that we have something solid to trust in. We have something solid to run on. We can rest assured in the promise of everlasting salvation and steadfastness when we are brought into relationship with the Lord through the work of Jesus Christ, assuming, taking on our sin, crushing the serpent, the enemy, the deceiver's head through this work on the cross. My second point tonight is this. In life or death, wickedness will not last forever. In life or death, wickedness will not last forever. Now the text supposes that in verse 3 that wickedness is going to come. It may, it might, and it most likely will come. You see, suffering as a Christian is not only to be expected, but endured. This rod spoken of, which symbolizes rule and oppression of the wicked, will not last, as the text says. As Christians, we might be oppressed, beaten, mocked, scorned, cheated, but ultimately, friends, it cannot reach our souls. We have an eternal assurance from the text that even though evil and wicked may come, it will not last forever. Even in our oppression, God will cut the work short by the righteousness of Christ at some point, his people will be preserved. Remember, we talked about this salvation we've brought, been brought into that's being held by God's power. So long as the righteous do not abandon the Lord. Even in oppression, it is the Lord who surrounds his people. The promise of salvation is to all who believe by God. Uh, let me put this a different way to you. This promise of salvation is by faith alone to all who believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This promise of salvation is something we can rest in. And even when it looks like all is lost, the Lord surrounds his people. There's an account of an event in 2 Kings 6.15 in the Old Testament. Some of you might know it. In which the king of Syria at the time is hunting the prophet Elijah. And at a certain point, this king's army is completely surrounding the prophet Elijah and his servant. It says this in 2 Kings 6.15. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, even when it looks like evil is winning, the Lord surrounds his people. Even in our suffering, our trials, our sin, the Lord has made a way. He will not let us perish. God surrounds his people. It is a promise of the text that the scepter of wickedness that we see in our day-to-day lives will not rest on the promise of faith. We can have assurance and rest in the truth of this text. In a world that is so unknown, we can know and be sure of the fact that evil has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. God has made a way for his people. Uh, Pastor uh, Grant Brusco put it in a way, put it in this way in a message. He said this, "A a lot of you think this when it comes to fighting for your faith. You think you are fighting for victory. That is dead wrong. Because of what Jesus accomplished in the resurrection, You and I are called not to fight for victory. We already have victory in Christ. Paul says this in Galatians 5, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. We find our victory over sin in the cross. Even when it looked hopeless for humanity, God made a way for his people. Yahweh reigns. Young man and young woman in the audience struggling with the chains of pornography, with the chains of lust in your life. Your God reigns. You have victory over sin in Christ, in the work of the cross. Young person in the room being beaten around by this culture, being told constantly, you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. Your God reigns. Christ has made a way. God surrounds his people. This is the story of the Bible. God making a way for his people time and time again. Stand firm in Jesus and in the word. The scepter of wickedness will not rest on God's people. He will make a way out of temptation and sin. And he's done so through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. Here's my third point tonight. The Lord will do good to those who are good. The Lord will do good to those who are good. And while at first glance, or first hearing this, this is pretty horrible news, right? The Lord's going to do good to those who are good. But if you're like me, and you've tried walking without sin for two hours, or maybe even 20 seconds, I find that to be a struggle in my life a lot of the time, This is discouraging, this prayer from the psalmist saying, oh Lord, do good to those who are good. That's discouraging, right? Do you guys find yourself to be upright in heart, to be good? Maybe you're starting to notice a shift in the message here. I thought this salvation was through faith, not works. For most of us, like I said, this is a discouraging prayer. This isn't helping us, it seems. But the promise of this text is actually quite amazing. And you're right. You'd be right to say that you're not good. The truth of the word of God is that no one is good. Romans 3 says, no one is good. So by nature, we are children of wrath. And when sin, separation, and rebellion against God entered the picture in Genesis 3, all were condemned and fallen. As the psalm says, those who do evil, the Lord will lead away. But it is in this that we find the grace and hope of the gospel. If you're wondering how you can be good, how you can be included in this prayer, it's simple. Trust in the Lord. He will make you good. It's in this that we find the grace and hope of the gospel. The promise of salvation for God's people has always been through faith. And this is what the psalmist is getting at. God gives us imputes righteousness that we formerly did not deserve when we were fallen. The only way to be good is to accept Christ's work and forgiveness of sins on the cross. And it is by this that we can know that we are saved, that we are surrounded and have assurance in God. There's a beautiful illustration of this gospel. I couldn't put it better any better than Paul. I tried my best, but Paul did it pretty well in Romans 5. He says this, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us. I want you to catch this. For while we, are st- while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So trust in the Lord, student. There's no fancy prayer, no specific time allotment, no works-based salvation. Confess that Jesus, the true and living God, was born, died, and rose again and repent of your sins. Ephesians 4.17 says this, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. and holiness. Maybe you're struggling to walk. You're struggling to find a foundation. Maybe you're lost in your sin. You're hopeless. You're despaired. Pray for help, student. Christ doesn't leave us where we we are at. The truth of the Bible is that Christ will make you new. He'll sanctify you. He'll wash your sin away. He'll help you with a fruit of righteousness in your life, in your day-to-day life. It is through our work on the cross that we will start to see this. Would you abide in this assurance? Build your life on this assurance? Build your life on the word of God and faith in the Lord. Nothing else is going to satisfy you in this life. Trust in the Lord. Here's the main idea, would you guys write this down, or if you're not taking notes, put it in your phone, or dwell on it. God's people find their assurance and security in the Lord. God's people find their assurance and security in the Lord. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the truth of your gospel, Lord that while we were still sinners, the right time Christ died for us. That in which we were formerly dead, you sent your son Jesus to purify us, to wash our sin. And it's in this work on the cross that we can trust in, that we can have something tangible, something real, something reliable to sand on. I pray that you would help all these students trust in you, God, and your promises. Lord, we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen.